I say to her, Mum, my head hurts, and then I just stop moving, and then I don't remember them picking me up, but I remember sitting on, I'm laying on the black sofa, and they giving me water, and then I remember the man taking me into the ambulance and going off to the hospital. We just got sent to the ward, and he was monitored all throughout the night, and then the next day they did an MRI, um, which showed an ischemic stroke. So he didn't have to have surgery. They just started treatment straight away of aspirin. And then um, his stay in hospital was all around rehab, getting him moving again. The first day they got him to just sit up in bed on the edge of the bed, like supporting him. And he was just in and out of sleep a lot of the time because he got really, really tired. So anything had a, a massive impact on him he would have to fall asleep again after. So they'd start the first day with just sitting him up and then the next day they would support him by holding him up and they kind of gradually built on that and doing exercises in the bed. And then they would eventually, once he was able to, they would wheel him down to physio and he would have physio twice a day in the physio department. When I was first day back at school, I was quite scared and because I missed half of year two, I didn't know what it was going to be like going back. I was really shy and um, I was working up my confidence in class and talking to everyone again and getting friends again. Hello, this is Stroke Stories. I'm Mark Goodyear. A recent American study revealed that children are four times as likely to have a stroke during the six months after suffering chickenpox. The virus can scar the blood vessels in the brain, which leads to a decreased blood flow, which can cause an ischemic stroke. Strokes in children are particularly challenging. They can leave both the survivor and their parents feeling isolated and alone. So we started Stroke Stories, the podcast, to seek out and to hear from stroke survivors. In this episode, we hear from Michelle Davenport and her son Max from Blackwater in Hampshire. Max suffered a stroke at the age of seven. What I remember is when everyone went to sit down, like have a break and talk for a bit, and I went to sit on the um, hay barrel, and then mum is just a few steps in front of me, and then I say to her, mum, my head hurts, and then I just stop moving, and then I don't remember them picking me up, but I remember sitting on... I'm laying on the black sofa and they giving me water and then I remember the man taking me into the ambulance and going off to the hospital. I remember thinking actually he was really full of beans because we were going to his birthday party and um, so he was obviously really excited. We went in the car with the two boys whose party it was as well. We were all together all chatting and they were talking about their birthday cake and they were really excited and he didn't show any signs of being poorly whatsoever beforehand. And the lead up to it happening as well, they were at this Nerf gun party. So they were running around. He was just normal Max, nothing wrong with him at all. I remember when I arrived on the bed, everything was inc- really blurry and I remember going into the ward and I... Uh, I saw just like a man wearing green and then he walked around the corner and then I just remember like going into hospital and really blurry and then sitting on my bed for a bit like that. We went to another hospital first that was nearest to where he was. So the first hospital we went to, he had a CT scan 
And then they didn't see any bleed or anything like that, which I understand would be showing up on a CT scan. So then they realised that it, if it wasn't a bleed, they started questioning there that it might have been a stroke. So then they rung around to look at what children's hospitals, which beds were available, and they rung Southampton. By the time we got to Southampton, it was quite late in the evening. So we just got sent to the ward and he was monitored all throughout the night. And then the next day they did an MRI, um, which showed an ischemic stroke. So he didn't have to have surgery. They just started treatment straight away of aspirin. And then um, his stay in hospital was all around rehab, getting him moving again. Physio can be a long and difficult process, but for Max, it was a positive experience. Me and Mum made two friends, didn't we, with the nurses. And it was actually quite fun because, like, in my bed, I could just chill out. I remember the first time they got me out of my bed, tried to help make me walk. And I remember there was a boy in front of us and I remember going to bed and, like, sleeping there and Mum went to the room with Donald and that. And we was quite fun in that, actually. One of the things I definitely remember is, like, we were in physio. They had this, like, black splint leg thing that went up to my kneecap, I think, and it made me walk and I was really actually happy and I got to walk around the room and that. So on the first day after and he was starting to become a bit more with it we had physio came to visit us and then they the first day they got him to just sit up in bed on the edge of the bed like supporting him and he was just in and out of sleep a lot of the time because he got really really tired so anything had a, a massive impact on him he would have to fall asleep again after so mm. they'd start the first day with just sitting him up and then the next day they would support him by holding him up and they kind of gradually built on that and doing exercises in the bed and then they would eventually once he was able to they would wheel him down to physio and he would have physio twice a day in the physio department they just sort of worked on sit to stand it was just a slow really slow process of building up gradually and gradually up until the point where what Max is talking about is um, eventually after a good few weeks of, of, you know, being able to stand and then taking a few steps. And he had trouble controlling his leg, like his knee joint. So it would keep flicking back a lot. Yeah. It still does it now, but he's obviously can control it a lot better now. So they put a brace on like they do with people that have broken a leg, I believe to completely secure it and keep it in place and everything and then they can lock your knee into the right position it was the first time when he started to walk independently was with this support on and then they gradually worked at taking that off and until he was able to walk max's stroke and his long stay in hospital took its toll on the rest of his family he got quite attached to everyone yeah. at the hospital, so he really missed them, actually, when we left. Because they became family, really, didn't they, Max? Yeah. My daughter now is seven, nearly eight, so she was four, nearly five at the time. She had just started school in reception, so obviously I stayed with Max the whole time, and that had a huge impact on her. That, to me, was the biggest thing about being away from home was leaving her, because she really struggled without me. Being in hospital, I mean, it was just, it was surreal, really. I mean, it's, when it all happened, I truly thought, OK, well, well, this has happened. We'll be in hospital for a week, couple of weeks, maybe. 
and then we'll be home again and it will be you know a traumatic experience but it's quickly over and done with it he'll be fixed and then that's the end of it I thought they'd said to me no you're looking at more likely six weeks so that came as a massive shock and I thought oh wow okay and then I came to terms with that and then it got to six weeks and I remember saying to one of the physios or we're approaching week six now and no one said anything to us about leaving. What do you think's going on? And she said to me, oh, there's no way you'll be going yet. And that that's definitely not the plan. And she managed our expectations a, bit, a lot better and said, no, you're going to be here much longer. And because I work and, you know, thinking about things mm-hmm. from financial point of view, from Sophie, my daughter and the rest of our family. And my husband was obviously, Max's dad was coming back and forth every day and everything it was just quite hard to sort of take in so I used to do like a plan on the ward I would write once a week I wrote out like a rotor where I would say find out what where Sophie needed to be what she'd have for lunch each day you know whether it was a packed lunch school lunch or whatever and who would be picking her up so my mum and dad and my sisters and friends they all chipped in and they all did a little bit each to make it a bit easier for us like I don't know what I would have done if we didn't have them to help us it was so surreal because you'd kind of had this awful thing happen and then we had all the logistics to work out and but then at the same time we then became really close to everyone at the hospital they became our family so then it was also really sad when we did move when he moved to the rehab unit which is on site it was it was quite emotional then leaving the ward he looks back at the good things about it and who he's met and how kind they all were. Doctors were also able to determine what caused Max's stroke. They did loads of tests on him. He had loads of scans, um, looking at blood flow, tests on his blood to see if he had sticky blood or anything like that. And they all came back saying that there was nothing wrong. So when we were in hospital, where he got taken to initially, they asked us if he'd had chickenpox recently. So he had chickenpox quite badly in the May of that year, and the stroke was September. And we didn't have to take him to the doctor or anything, but I remember him being completely covered, and he was quite poorly with it. And we said, yes, he had. And then we found out that for the first year, I think, after you've had chickenpox, you're at risk of having a stroke. They did lots of tests, but and because everything else came back as negative, we were told then the most likely chance is that it was caused by chickenpox. So there is a test that you can have to confirm that, but because his treatment wouldn't have changed at all, they didn't do it. So we've always kind of thought, it, we've assumed it's that, and they've all said it's most likely that. And a consultant we saw recently the other week, he said it, it is the look of a chickenpox stroke. Mm-hmm. So that's what it's been decided as. Max's stroke came completely out of the blue. He hadn't shown any signs or symptoms that he was going to suffer from a stroke. Despite the shock, of course, his family rallied around him, and since, he's made incredible progress. Still to come on Stroke Stories, Max's mum, Michelle, talks about some of the crucial help and guidance she received from local and online support groups. Through the hospital, they do like a neuro support group. So the psychology department there looked after Max and me separately. They um, had like a parent group so parents could get together with other children that have had brain injuries. At that point there wasn't anyone there that had had a stroke but I have since met someone whose child did have a stroke. And also Facebook groups. There's Parents Hemi Chat and also the Hemi Help charity. They um, also have got families with children who've had stroke. 
and she reveals the ongoing impact of Max's stroke on the family. He's had recurrent fractures of his arm. There's different appointments for different things. There's always something or seeing him when he struggles emotionally and stuff. It's, there's always a reminder that it's there. So I, I still feel that we haven't moved on from it, but it's easier to talk about and it is, I can be more rational about it now, I suppose. Let's hear how Max coped with going back to school. When I was first day back at school, I was quite scared and because I missed half of year two, I didn't know what it was going to be like going back. I was really shy and um, I was working up my confidence in class and talking to everyone again and getting friends again. We had someone from the Child Brain Injury Trust came into school before he came back to school and she took in like a jelly mould of a brain. Max was really worried about going back, about children asking him questions and, you know, he didn't know how to answer them. He was really nervous about going back. So she went in and they were able to ask her all the questions and so that they didn't have to ask him. So I think that helped because by the Mm -hmm. time he was back, they all understood as much as they needed to. I feel less shy, but like still now, people that don't know if I'm outside, like like sometimes they still ask, like maybe a month ago, I went to the park with my friends and these random kids said to me, what happened? I just ignored him and walked away. And I'm not as shy now, but like sometimes I would say what happened and sometimes I wouldn't. I feel like normal again. I've got lots of friends at school now and... I like to work independently sometimes and sometimes I need help with work and the class assistants keep telling me to use my left arm to hold the paper. I can't move my fingers but I do do stretches and physio in class and like I do physio in the afternoon and that with my teachers and it's quite good. Max continues to deal with the emotional and the physical impact of his stroke. My foot drags if I don't have the splint on. Because, like, when I put a shoe on, normally it really drops down. Like, it's more easy to fall over. But I've got a splint, so it's not as hard to fall over now. But it is still easy to fall. He is still the same in most ways. Obviously, physically, he's different. I think it's fair to say he doesn't cope as well with things emotionally. He can get very upset about things or his his emotions are more extreme now. So if he's upset about something, he's very upset or if he's angry, he's very angry. But he's still full of beans like he was before. He tires more easily, needs a bit more TLC. We have definitely noticed that more now. He worries a lot about things, which he didn't... I don't remember him worrying like that before. Michelle also wanted to make sure that she was able to talk to other stroke survivors and their families. That was the most important thing I kept saying at the hospital. Like, does anyone know of anyone whose child has had a stroke? Because you hear so much of adults that have had strokes or older people... And I could read up about that, but I wanted to hear from someone that had exactly the same as Max so that I could, not so that I could compare, but I wanted to see, we never knew what was going to happen later on in his life. So I I was desperate to hear people's experiences of 
them getting better and things improving like we didn't know if he would be able to walk again or or if it would happen again and all of that so I was desperate to find other families like I didn't want them to be in the same situation but I just wanted to share experiences we have now because now I know more of where I can look and the support that's around but at the time I didn't have that through the Stroke Association, see that was the first thing that I was looking up because on the website there's the section on childhood stroke and I just read that over and over and over to try and get as much information as I could online. Through the hospital they do like a neuro support group so the psychology department there looked after Max and me separately. They um, had like a parent group so parents could get together of other children that have had brain injuries. At that point there wasn't anyone there that had had a stroke but I have since met someone whose child did have a stroke and also Facebook groups. There's Parents Hemi Chat and also the Hemi Help charity. They um, also have got families with children who've had stroke. Max's stroke continues to be a huge part of family life. It's something that we think about every day. I thought that kind of appointments would get fewer in between and things would get easier, and to an extent they have, but there's always something that still makes it quite raw. We worry all the time, like the slightest thing. He gets headaches now, and when he gets tired, he sort of crashes and he needs to rest and to start with we panicked a lot about it so if he when he had a bad headache and he went really sleepy we went straight to A&E whereas now we're more laid back about that and I can be a bit more relaxed there because I know that that's part of the fact that he's had a stroke and I can talk about it more easily now like there was a time when both me and Gary just couldn't talk about it without getting emotional it's better in that way and obviously he keeps improving and he's from where he was to where he is now it's just it's amazing as to how much he's improved and gotten better but he's had recurrent fractures of his arm there's different appointments for different things there's always something or seeing him when he struggles emotionally and stuff it's there's always a reminder that it's there so I, I still feel that we haven't moved on from it but it's easier to talk about and it is I can be more rational about it now I suppose. And finally, Max and Michelle share their advice for childhood stroke victims and their loved ones. One thing I could say is drink lots of water because when my doctor said to me, I need to drink lots of water just in case I have another stroke because that's the possibility if I don't drink much water. I would say to use the support that's around you like take what's given to you in the you know the support lines that are available on the stroke association website i've listened to other people's experiences and be positive that things can do improve and they do get better just to keep talking about it and to know that you're not alone because that was the worst thing at the beginning was that we thought we were completely alone and it was the unknown that frightened us the most i think Max has dealt with his stroke brilliantly and continues to be a positive young boy looking forward to his future. Coming up in the next episode of Stroke Stories. They rang Andrew, my husband, and they said, you better hurry along because we think your wife is going to die. She has had some kind of brain hemorrhage. And this was now over eight hours, I think. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast on your preferred podcast platform. And when you've heard an episode, please rate and comment on it. That'll help us spread the word. The Stroke Association website also has plenty of resource on there if you'd like to find out more about stroke. The Stroke Stories podcast, 
was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Listener.